recording. Uh, so we are, as we're starting the new year, uh, we're not going to jump right back into Romans. As much as I want to, and I'm eager to do so, um, we're at such a good breaking point in, in Romans um, where we'd be starting chapter 12. Uh, and with the start of the new year, and then having winter camp coming up, and, and I didn't want to interrupt it. I said, you know what, after winter camp, we'll jump back into Romans. All right, so we have a couple weeks. Actually, how it's going to work out, uh, we're going to do a two-week series, a short series, on uh, I'm calling it Life of Prayer. I'm just talking about prayer um, and your prayer life. And so it will be a topical series, two weeks. Uh, and then our very own Jason's going to be bringing us the word. Let's go. Uh, and then after that, we'll jump back into Romans. All right. Uh, so uh, we'll be jumping all around. I hope you have your Bibles ready. We're going to be looking at a ton of different passages uh, as we look at prayer. This is uh, really going to be flying through this. Uh, might go a little long tonight. We'll see how it goes. Um, but really, we're going to be looking at a lot in just the two weeks. And so we might not be going super in-depth into every area that we might want to. If, if you guys want to discuss more further, come find me after any staffer and would love to continue to have conversation. Um, but I do want to challenge us in our prayer life as we start this new year um, and uh, for us to self-assess and evaluate in our own lives uh, what prayer is, what our prayer life looks like. Are we praying? Are we doing so biblically and things like that? Uh, and so... Uh, again, I, I hope, you know, the, the danger with messages like this is that I can feel very works-oriented. Um, and so please um, stay away from that. Not that we shouldn't do good works to the Lord. We should, and we should be praying, uh, but always uh, through the lens of the gospel. Um, and so hopefully we, we see that uh, tonight as well. Allow me to pray for us as we get started, and then we'll, we'll begin. Lord God, it is such a gift to be able to pray to you. Lord, I ask even as we're here tonight that you would speak to us through your word as we seek to see what your word says about prayer. Lord, that we would worship you, that you would convict us, that you would grow us. Lord, that we would not be uh, praying for uh, our own praise uh, or or any kind of self-righteousness. But Lord, I pray that we would uh, seek to pray as worship to you to glorify you. Lord, help us tonight, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I remember when I was very young, I was uh, very much into sports. I guess that did not change very much. Uh, but I was, at the time, was really wanting to play baseball. Uh, I played t-ball when I was really little. Uh, I enjoyed it. And then I hadn't played for a little while. And uh, me and my friend Jordan, were, uh, we lived a few houses down from each other. And every day we'd play in the court wiffle ball. Uh, and we would, like, pretend that we were on these major league teams. And we'd, like, have these fake scenarios. And we think we were the best and all this stuff like little kids do. Uh, anyways, we wanted to play in... PHBA, the Pleasant Hill Baseball Association. And it was our dream to play in the PHBA. And it was our dream to be on the same team. And uh, anyway, so we were really into it. And we went to the tryouts and we asked and we requested, hey, can we be on the same team? You know, you guys would be lucky to have two of us on the same team. And, uh, and they said, no, we don't take requests. It's, you know, it's random draw, whatever. Okay. Anyways, we did our tryouts, and then like a week or two later, uh, the rosters come out, and we're on the same team. And we're like, yes. And it was it was a dream come true for us. We're like, we were on the White Sox. We had our little White Sox shirts and hats, and and, and so anyways, we were super excited. Now for us, it was a big deal, and we were like all into it. We were so engaged. We went to play it against sports. We got our mitt. We got our our gloves. We got everything. And there were others on our team who just – they were not in it at all. Like you could tell there was a huge difference between those who wanted to be there, like us, who were like, this is a dream, and those who didn't want to be there. They were just there because their parents were making them play. They were just there because they got in trouble, and so I don't know why. But they were there for some reason. There was one kid on our team. His name was Rain, and I remember Rain. Rain, very nice guy, I suppose. 
but he did not want to be there. At, I mean, he was there on the team. He was playing with us. But he would be sitting there in the outfield. And every game, he'd sit there, Indian style, with ducks, like, walking around him. And he's playing with the ducks. And I remember always the coach saying, Rain! Rain! Get up, Rain! And he's just sitting there. He, he has, he's, like, playing with grass. Okay. That was Rain. I remember the very last game of our season. No one's going to care about this, but to me, I really cared about this. Last game of our season. Like, if we win the game, I mean, this is what every kid dreams of. If we win the game, we go to the playoffs. If we lose, we're out. And we're, we have the lead, but the other team's up to bat. And, and, and the winning run is up to bat. All we have, the two outs, we just have to get one more out. The guy hits the ball, right? This guy who hits the ball, if he scores, they win, we lose. And he hits it right to the outfield. Next to who? Rain. Rain. And Rain is not just sitting there, but he has his baseball mitt off his hands and on his face. <laughs> and the ball lands right next to him. And I remember everyone yelling, Rain! Rain! And the guy hits the ball. He's just running. He's kind of walking now. Rain! Get the ball! Get the ball! And we lost the game. Now, I know. I, di I didn't sleep for days. That, that really, it really hurt. The point is this. Rain. Stop joining baseball. Yeah. Rain. Rain was very aware of what was going on. Like, he even looked at us and was like, oh, yeah. Now, yeah, there's the ball. Like, he was aware of what was going on. But he wasn't engaged, right? He wasn't engaged what was, with what was going on. And I think in a similar way, prayer is something I believe we're, we're all aware of. We're aware of prayer, but we may, it may not be something that we're actually engaged in. J.C. Ryle, he said, it's one thing to say your prayers and another to pray. And I'm sure many of you, 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 you've prayed. You've prayed in the sense that, that you've said words that are directed to God. You've, you've said your prayers. Were you actually praying to God? Or were they just words? I want to challenge your prayer life. Is your prayer life non-existent? Is your prayer life healthy? Would you say that you pray? Would you consider yourself a young man, a young woman of prayer? Many of you have grown up in the church and you know about prayer. You, you know that you should pray and, and likely you've been involved to some degree in the act of praying. But would you consider your prayer life biblical? Would you consider it a regular part of your life? So I want to challenge every single one of us in our prayer life. In doing so, I want to answer... The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how of prayer. Who, what, when, where, why, and how of prayer. But tonight we're just going to look at the first three. Okay? Just the who, what, when. Really we could take a night for all of these. That's why I said we're going to try to go quickly here. So tonight we're going to look at the who, the what, and the when of prayer. Okay? So it's going to look, you're going to be writing a lot. All right? There's three slides. I know. Just so that it all fits. All right. First, first, thank you, Kay. First is the who, okay? The who, the what, the when. You got it. The first section is who. And first we see who to pray to. When we're looking at the who of prayer, not whoville, like who, that's so weird. Like the who of prayer, who do we pray to? Can we just press down, please? Twice? No, thrice? There you go, right there. So first, who to pray to? First, we see that we pray to God. We pray to God, the creator, the sustainer, and the master of the universe. We need to understand, who are we praying to? We pray to God. He's the creator, sustainer, and master of the universe. When we pray... Our prayers ought to be directed to God. We are not to pray to one another. We are not to pray to our pastors, to priests. 
We are not to pray to Mary. God and God alone is whom we are to pray to. So who is this God? Write down Psalm 147.5. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Write down Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This God whom we pray to is far above us. He is not like us. He is transcendent. He is holy. He is awesome. And he holds more power than we can even fathom. We do not pray to a created being. We pray to the most ultimate supreme being we pray to the god of the universe we pray to the one who holds all authority and to whom there is none greater than he you see understanding who god is ought to make a difference in how we approach god in prayer we ought to pray with respect with reverence with humility we must never forget that we are on holy ground. I mean, look at the Old Testament, how people trembled when they talked with God. We pray to the very same God. You know, when I was at DVC, I was leading a Christian club. We called it Veritas. And I remember we had all kinds of people come in. And this one young lady, bless her soul, she would, she would, when we pray, she, she would pray like this. What's up, homie? How's it going? You chilling? I'm chilling. Yeah, you know, it's good. But how you doing, dog? That's how she'd pray. I remember thinking, and she was serious. I mean, every time we pray, that's how she'd pray. And I thought, okay, you know, that's cool. Like, you understand, like, you know, you're, you're close with God, and that's true. But where's the reverence? Where's the respect? Where's the fear? Like, do you understand who you're approaching? When you go before the Lord in prayer, remember who he is. You aren't just talking to another sinner like you. You aren't just talking to the air. Like, just here's just words going into the air. You are talking to the God of the universe. So when we pray, we pray to God, the creator, sustainer, and master of the universe. Who else do we pray to? No one. It's still God. All right. We pray to God. <laughs> You're like, where is he going? Oh, yeah, good, Jason. Good. You got uncomfortable. I like that. That's good. We pray to God. Just the second point. We pray to God, the father of all Christians. The father of all Christians. Write down Matthew 7, 11. Matthew 7, 11. The slurpy verse says, where is it? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Right, we pray to a Father who loves and knows his children perfectly. We're not praying to a Father who has abandoned his child and knows nothing about them. I says, yeah, you're my son, you're my daughter, but you know, I'm distant, I don't know you, I don't care about you, and so, sure, you, here, you know, they, they, they send weird gifts to you for Christmas because they don't know you. That's not what this is. It's not who he is. He knows you, and he loves you. In fact, he knows you better than you know you. Do you know how many hairs you have on your head? You know how many hairs I have on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> now we know. Alex, you feel me? Yeah, see? All right. Do you know what's truly best for you, right? Like, that's the point. Like, you may think you know what's truly best for you, but God actually does. And if you are God's child, then he is your father, and he loves you perfectly, and he knows what's best for you. The example Jesus gives is that of an earthly father, right? Like an earthly father, he gives good gifts to his, to his child. And we're evil, we're sinful. 
I gave Jericho a lava lamp for Christmas. He loves it. I know he. I knew it. I knew he'd love it. But even so, I, I'm evil and I'm sinful. And we say, how much better is our heavenly Father? God only gives good things to his children. He cannot give bad things to his children. It's impossible. It goes against his very nature. If you ever doubt God's plan for your life, know that you are wrong. Because God only gives what's best for you. Sometimes we, we, we pray one thing and we're so sure this is the best thing. Oh, I know this is what's best. But God answers our prayer a different way. So then we doubt God. We shouldn't doubt God. We should never doubt God. We should thank him. We should thank him because he kept us from something that's bad, evidently. Because in answering your prayers, no, God gave you something better than what you were asking for. God only gives good gifts to his children. And it's not always an easy gift. It's not always the gift that we want. But it is what is best. God is the father for all Christians. And he knows them perfectly. And he loves them perfectly. And he answers prayers accordingly. So that is in the who, who to pray to. Now we see who is to pray. Well, first, children of God pray to him as their daddy. And this might sound familiar, Romans 8, 14 through 16. Romans 8, 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Wow, God is so far above us. As we said, he is also so close. He is also so close that we can call him Abba. Remember when we were in Romans, we said this. It means that we can call him Daddy. And you know how crazy that is? No one in their right mind would dare call God Daddy. Who are you to say? You, you are his son. You are his child. And there's some truth to that. Maybe we've taken it for granted that we can call God but because of God's grace, we can call him daddy. Christian, you have an intimate, personal relationship with God as your father. So you can go to God and you can cry out to him, daddy. And he listens. And he cares. And he cares because you are his child and he loves you. And he wants you to cry out to him. So do you cry out to him? Or do you ignore him? Christian, go to your father. Go to your daddy. When you are in sin, when you are in trouble, cry out to him. Don't go. When you're in sin, don't go into deeper sin or, or, or deeper depression or deeper isolation saying, I, I can't approach God now because, because of my sin. That's the opposite of what God wants. God wants you to cry out to him. If you are his child, then cry out to him as your daddy. Don't hide from him. Don't neglect him. Don't ignore him. Cry out to him as your father. Next we see who is to pray. Children of God pray to him as daddy. And next, children of God pray to him with confidence. Children of God pray to him with confidence. Write down Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. I love this passage. This is what the author of Hebrews wrote. He said, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, it is crazy that we are able to approach his throne. That we don't need to, 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 to tremble or worry if, if, if he will reject us. We can approach him with confidence. We, sinful human beings, are given the right to approach God, the holy and awesome God, at his throne. So if you are in Christ, go to God with confidence. He will always be there waiting for you. And as you go to his throne... 
You will find mercy and you will find grace in time of need, he says. Like, what better news is there? You are in need and you can go to the throne of God and find grace and mercy? Well, that's awesome news. What a great gift that Christians just too often ignore. That we can with confidence approach God. So go to God in confidence. And this confidence, it rests in Jesus Christ. Who mediates for us. And the Spirit who gives us the words to say. Our confidence isn't because we're, we're praying with these elegant words. And so, ooh, I like that. Sometimes I think we're, we're scared to pray because we think, I, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to say. Who cares? Just pray. Our confidence has nothing to do with, with saying cool and profound words. The Spirit gives you the words to say. The Spirit intercedes. Just pray to God. Don't worry about the elegance of your words. Just pray. Our confidence, we don't approach confidently because we were a good Christian this past week. It's not that, oh, hey, I was a good Christian, so now, now I feel like I can go to God, and now, now he'll listen. Now he'll answer my prayers. Yes. No. Don't go to God because you think you had a good week in, in your Christian walk. Go to God. Even when you're, when you're barely holding on. Even when you're deep in your sin. You can approach him with the same amount of confidence in your lowest point. And then your highest point. Your ability to approach him has nothing to do with your obedience or your disobedience that week. Our, our, our confidence to approach God is found in God himself. It's because of the work of Jesus. And because of the mercy and the grace of God that we can approach him. It has nothing to do with you. If the ability to pray came from you... You would never have the right to pray to God. But Jesus paved the way as our mediator so that we can approach God in prayer. So go to God in confidence. Not because of our own duty, but because of his. So we see the who in prayer. Next, let's look at the what. The what in prayer. First off, what is prayer? There's a lot of things. The first thing we see in what is prayer is that prayer is a response to the knowledge of God. Prayer is a response to the knowledge of God. First and foremost, prayer is responding to the knowledge that you have about God. And Christian, if you're a Christian here tonight, you have a personal and experiential knowledge of God. You have a personal relationship with God. In that relationship of knowing God, you naturally go to Him in prayer. Prayer is a natural response of knowing God. And as you know more of the beauty and the majesty of who God is, not just relationally, but also intellectually, you respond in prayer. What do your prayers reflect about your knowledge of God? Are your prayers shallow? Is it because your knowledge or your relationship with God is shallow? As you evaluate your prayer life, what does it reveal about your knowledge of God? What does it reveal about how you meditate and how you respond to the truths of the gospel? Next, prayer is living out your faith. What is prayer? Prayer is living out your faith. Prayer, I think especially private prayer, is evidence of your faith. Because when you have faith that God is who he says he is, then you will pray. Because you fully believe that God is a good God. You fully believe that he is in control, that he loves you, that his plan is perfect. That he works through your prayers, etc. So then you pray. It is when you don't fully believe this that you don't pray. You don't fully believe the things of God that stops you from praying. Prayer is living out your faith. See, the lack of prayer reveals a lack of totally believing in what you say you believe in. And you say you believe in God, and you say you can trust Him, and you say you love Him, but you don't pray to Him? How can you say you love God and yet you have no communion with Him? 
The lack of prayer reveals a lack of faith. Prayer is living out your faith. And private prayer is something that others don't see. Why? Because it's private. Because it's thank you. Because it's private. It's private prayer. Of course. Otherwise it wouldn't be private anymore, right? Yeah. And so I believe that our, our, our private prayer life often reveals whether you truly believe in what you say you believe in. Because it reveals how you live your life when no one's watching. What does your prayer life reveal about your faith? Does it reveal that you doubt the things of God? Does it reveal that you don't truly desire communion with Him? Or does it reveal that you trust Him? And you love Him? And you desire to spend time with Him and commune with Him? What does your prayer life say about your faith? Next, prayer is intimacy with God. What is prayer? Prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is not just performing a task of obedience. It is getting closer to your Father. It, It is pulling away from the noise of the world and spending time with God. I mean, prayer can, can easily be viewed as, as a duty that Christians must perform in order to be a good Christian, right? I mean, think about it. You, you guys are talking to your friends and you say, hey, hey, how's your walk going? Oh, good. Yeah, I've been, I've been praying a lot. Or, hey, how are things going? You know, how's, how's your walk going with the Lord? <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I really need to be praying more. Okay, and, and maybe these things are true. But, but, but prayer isn't just a task that, that, that we perform for God. It's much more than that. It is intimacy. It is communion with God. It is specific time in which we enter his courts. We draw near to his throne. And we commune with our Father. Communication is a vital part to every relationship. And God communicates through his word most clearly. And and he convicts us by his Holy Spirit, right? A form of communication. And we respond in communication by prayer. Think of any relationship you have on earth. You talk with your best friends. You FaceTime them. You, you Discord them and make egg things about my head and all this stuff. And, and, then, and that's how you, you, you talk, right? That, that's how you build relationships. You talk with each other. Those that I don't talk to, usually grow apart from. Those that I was, I was close with in high school, all the, everyone I went to high school with, I don't I haven't talked to anyone that I go to high school with anymore. I don't know what they're doing. We don't have a relationship anymore. We don't talk. Prayer is a way in which we can communicate and commune with God. It is intimacy with our Father. Do you desire closeness with your Heavenly Father? Yeah, I don't feel close with God. Then pray! <laughs> pray! Some say, hey, I, I, I feel so distant from God. Do you pray to Him? Well, no. Well, of course you feel, like, what are you talking about? And it's not just words, right? It's not just, that, do you say words to Him? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I say the words, but I'm saying, do you pray? Do you pray to God? Next. What is prayer? Prayer is a genuine cry to God as Father. It's a genuine cry to God as Father. And the emphasis I want to make is genuine. Because we already talked about crying out to Him. But I'm talking about genuine. Prayer can often become a, 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 a routine, right? A, a ritual or, or a transition. Right? Like it's routine. Okay, I'm going to bed and I'm going to say my prayer. Okay, good night. Or... or one of my ex-girlfriends in high school would go to their house. They said they were Christians. I don't believe they are. It doesn't matter. Anyways, we every time we'd sit down for a meal, the prayer was, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Amen. Okay? Like, and that was just a routine, like ritual or, or transition. Like, oh, you know, the, the worship team has to get up on, on the stage, so let's pray so everyone's eyes are closed. Like, that shouldn't be why we pray. Right? Like, prayer should never become like this. I believe there are hundreds of thousands of prayers a day that are simply just said by repeat or or, or autopilot without a single thought of what the meaning is. Prayer is calling out to God as your Father. Are your words genuine to Him? Don't let your words just just, just be words that just fly out of your lips. Yeah, they, they may sound good. 
but they have no genuine meaning. When you pray, what are you actually saying to God? When you pray before you eat, that's good. But are you just doing it because you're supposed to do it? What are you actually saying at night before you go to sleep? When we pray for those that we support, when we're in discussion groups and we pray, what what are you actually saying? Let your prayers be a genuine cry to the Father. Don't let them be filled with hypocrisy or, or, or routine or disingenuineness. But let your prayers come from the depths of your heart that cries out to God, Father, I need you in this hour. Father, thank you so much for what you've given to me. Let your prayers be genuine, not just routine. So that's what prayer is. Now, what are we to pray for? Still looking at the what of prayer. What are we to pray for? We pray for big things. We pray for big things. I think oftentimes we pray way too small. And I think a reason we don't pray for big things is because maybe we're scared that God's not going to answer them. Pray for big things. There is nothing too big you can pray that God cannot answer. If you are his child and, and, and God does not answer your prayer as a yes, it's not because it was too big. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because it, it was good that he said no. And it's because he's keeping you from something bad. So don't be scared to pray big. It's not that, oh, I, you're, you're going to prove God to be too small. That prayer is too big for God. I shouldn't have done that. Pray big and believe that God answers big prayers. I mean, look at the examples in Scripture where people prayed big and God answered them. I mean, the sun stood still for Joshua. What? That that just doesn't happen. It does with God. Elijah, stop the rain. Someone's going to go outside tonight and be like, stop the rain, God. Go ahead. I don't care. Do it. Peter, I mean, he's in prison. He's not getting out. No way. What happens? The church prays. And then boom, an angel releases him. Like, what is going on? What's going on is God working through prayers. Are there big things in your life? Maybe that you fear to pray because you fear God won't answer them. Save this person. Heal this sickness. Whatever it might be. Why do you fear? You think it's too big for him? Pray. God asks that we pray to him. That we bring all of our requests to him. Even the big ones. So pray for big things. What else are we to pray for? Pray for little things. Hey, we got them too. Yes, we're to pray for big things. But that doesn't mean that we neglect praying for the small things. Write down Matthew 6, 25 through 26. Matthew 6, 25 through 26. It says, therefore, I tell you, that's Jesus saying this. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your, fa- your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, I understand the context is a little different. The context of this is that. If God takes care of the birds, uh, right, surely he's going to take care of his own children. But I think an implication that we can get from this verse is that God still takes care of the small things. He still cares about the little things, about the birds. Remember, while he is a holy God, yes, he's also a loving father who cares for us. Don't be scared to go to God with the small things and think he doesn't care about that. That's not true. God is a loving, caring, gracious, patient, personal father to his children. You know, I remember when Jericho was just a, a little tiny baby. Little, little tiny baby. And, you know, they just kind of sit there and they just kind of stare at you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. I still love him. And, but, everyone, but then every once in a while, he just gives you a little smile. Just a little smile. I mean, every time I get a smile, me and Karen be like, oh, he smiled, he smiled. And, I, and we loved it. 
And you're like, okay, dude, let me just smile, right? And they're like, and that's such a small thing, but but I cared about it. He's my son, and just, he was smiling. I loved it. Yes, we we are small to, to God. And some of our prayers would say these are small things, but God cares about it. Because if you're his child, he cares for you. If you're his child, he loves you so much that even while he is so far above us, he's also so close. And he cares about every detail of your life. So we pray for the little things. What else do we pray for? We pray for the things you need. What are we to pray for? Pray for the things you need. Write down Philippians 4 6. It says, Let your request be made known to God. Right? It's okay to do this. It's okay to make a request known to God. In fact, we're commanded to do so. What are we to pray for? We're to pray for the, the requests that we have. Bring your supplication before the Lord. Bring your request to Him. And it seems obvious. But we can often neglect it. I hear so often people struggle or, 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 or they have hard decisions that they need to make. And they don't know what to do. Should I do this? Should I do that? And, and, and I ask, well, have you prayed about it? And they're like, well, well no. Well, why? Why do you not bring your request to God? His desire is that you would do so. Are there things in your life that are weighing you down? Are there things in which cause you stress, anxiety, or fear? Bring them to the Lord. Don't keep them inside and bottle it up. Go before God and place your request at His feet. If you have a need, you have a request, go to the Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. So we're to pray for what we need. We're also to pray for the things that we're thankful for. First Chronicles 16.34 First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Psalm 7.17 Psalm 7.17 says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Right? Give thanks to the Lord. Yes, we're to make our request known to God, but it cannot end there. Give Him thanks for all that He has done. Do not just turn prayer into a wish list. Like, all right, Santa, here's what I want. Okay, God, here's what I want. Prayer often increases when we need things, right? Why? Or rather, why doesn't prayer increase when we have things? Maybe that's the better question. We know prayer increases when we need things, when things are difficult. But why doesn't prayer increase when we have things? When, when we're in the pit and, and, and we need help, our prayer life increases, which is good. It should. But what about when we're in the sunny days and things are going perfectly? Do you pray just as much or, or even more? Or do you forget that every good thing comes from the Father? Prayer too often becomes a wish list when it needs to be communion with the Father. It cannot just be one-sided. Request only. It needs to be filled, yes, with our deepest requests and our pains. And it needs to be filled with our greatest joys and thanksgiving. It is impossible, I think, to thank God too much. I mean, you could spend hours each day giving him thanks and giving him thanks, and it wouldn't scratch the surface of things that you're to be thankful for, because everything you have is given to you by his hand and by his grace. You don't deserve a single blessing that you have, but God gives it to you out of his love and his grace. Even when you don't thank him, he still gives it to you. We are to give thanks because we always have something to be thankful for. No matter what. There's never been a moment in your life when you did not have something to be thankful for. Not once. I mean, think of a time when you had absolutely nothing to be thankful for. I would argue that you can't. And if you are a Christian, so man, especially if you're a Christian, you always, you always have the greatest treasure that you can be thankful for. 
I mean, what greater treasure could you possess than a loving relationship with God and the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? And in that, we can always give God thanks. Last on the what, what are we to pray for? You can see it down there. It says, pray for others. Pray for others. And we should be praying for others, not just ourselves. Does your prayer life consist of prayers for other people other than yourself? Pray for your pastors. Pray for the lost. Pray for the sick and distraught. Pray for your friends. Pray for your enemies. Are you praying for others? Are you praying for God's grace upon their lives? Ephesians 6.18. Paul's saying, Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Are you praying for others? Or are your prayers consumed only by your needs and not the needs of others? You know a great way to pray for others? A great way that you can pray for others is praying with others. Don't be afraid to pull someone aside and pray with them. But get to know their needs. Pray for their needs. And minister to them in the love of Christ. Alright, lastly... We've seen the who, the what. Let's look at the when. This is the quickest. We'll wrap up. This is the when. When. How often are we to pray? How often first? We see that we are to pray all day, every day. Two, four, seven. The when of prayer. How often? Pray all day, every day. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. If you are a Christian, what was it saying? That prayer should be a regular part of your life. That it should be a habit in your life. For a Christian to say, I don't pray. It's like for a fish to say, I don't swim. It can't be so. If you truly have a relationship with God, then you will pray to him. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a relationship and not pray. Like what? They go together. When you become a Christian... And are given a new nature. Things change. You change. And one of which is a desire to commune with your father. It's not so much that, that, that you now set specific time aside to pray. Although that is important. We'll get to that. But it's that you are constant in prayer. That you constantly have communion with him. That as you go throughout your day. You're constantly praying. You're giving him thanks. You're giving him praise. You're talking. You're communing. You're, 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 you're sharing your, your, your thoughts. Your concerns. You are praying with him. Constantly. you get through your day, all day, without once considering or communing with God? Like, how can that be? How can you start your day, you go through everything, all your school, all your chores, all your fun, all your, whatever you do, you lay your head down at night to rest. You didn't once think of God. You didn't once pray. You didn't once commune with it. Not, nothing. You just went through your day. God is somewhere else in the far distant background. What? Do you realize he's sustained you the entire day? You don't even give him a single thought. Always saying, Paul's saying, pray without ceasing. Your whole day, your mind should constantly be on God. Christian, we ought to be so in line with God. Our minds, our thoughts, our actions, our speech, our attitudes... That we are praying to him all day long. Are you constant in prayer? Is your life a life that is in constant communion with God? Be walking with the Lord in communion with him. And be constant in prayer. But next, and how often? When? How often? Pray all day, every day. And set aside specific time for prayer. That is important. Yes, we should be constant in prayer. But that doesn't mean that we just neglect setting specific time aside to pray to God. We need to escape the noise and the distractions of this world and spend quality time with our Father. Luke 10, 38 through 42. For the sake of time, I won't read it all, but it's about Mary and Martha. It says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? To serve alone, right? She's all busy, busy, making everything ready 
for Jesus. That is good, right? Okay, good job, Martha. But then Mary was just there at the feet of Jesus. And I think sometimes we can be like Martha. We become consumed with busyness and we neglect sitting at the feet of Jesus. We want so much to be close with him. And he's right here. But we're too busy for him. You know, saying that you have no time to pray is no excuse. I hear that all the time. I'm just so busy. No, you're not. Trust me, you're not. No, you don't get it. I'm super busy. Then pray. That's what Martin Luther was known for. He was known for saying that that he, he prays at least one hour every day, I think it was. Maybe it was more. I don't know. Let's just say it was one hour. And he says, if it, but if it was a really busy day, he's not, he's not praying for one hour. He's praying for two hours. That's his point. It's like, what? It's a busy day. A lot of people say, oh, I'm too busy. I can't pray. No, you're too busy. Then you better be praying. Like, we think we have no time. It has nothing to do with how much time you have. We all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in the same day. Don't tell me you don't have more time. Say, oh, I don't have enough time. Yes, you do. You have 24 hours. Just like me and just like him and just like her. It's that you don't prioritize. You don't value spending time in prayer. That's what it comes down to. It doesn't come down to you don't have time. It comes down to you don't have the right priorities. Setting aside time to pray with God is a necessity for the Christian life. Don't fill your time with things that, that, that are far less important. You need to commune with God. It is essential to our health, spiritual health. Is prayer something you value? Do you prioritize spending time with God in prayer? If so, then set time aside and pray to God. When, under what circumstances, our last two little mini points. Pray when you are at your low. Don't be ashamed to go to God in your lowest moments. Don't be ashamed, but come before God messy. If you're a Christian, know that you can always go to the throne of God and receive grace. And as a Christian, you will sin against God. And sometimes in great ways you will, but he will always love you. Don't ever be in a place where you feel like you can't approach God. And if you are in that place, it means all the more that you need to go to him in prayer. Go to God when you are at your low. Sometimes when we hit rock bottom, our first reaction is to go somewhere else in isolation, to stop seeing people, to not go to God because we're ashamed or whatever it is. No, let God be your refuge. Go to him. And if you aren't a Christian, let me tell you this. Go before God, dripping in your sin. Go to him in your lowest moment. If you are not a Christian, I... I don't know what is holding you back, but don't let it be your pursuit of righteousness. You have not. You have no righteousness. Don't try to dress yourself up nice. Okay, before I go to God, before I ask for salvation, I got to look nice to him. No, you can't clean yourself up. Don't feel like that you can't go to God because you've sinned too much. There is no sin that is so great that it puts you beyond the reach of God's grace. Come to him with all of your sin. Repent of them and ask for his forgiveness. Come to God messy. Come to him at your low. And lastly, pray when you are at your high. Pray when you are at your high. Don't neglect God when things are going well. God blesses you so much. And sometimes we get so caught up in the blessing We start believing this is how it should be. We forget that we don't deserve any of it. We think blessings are the norm and the hardships are the unique moments. In our fallen state, blessings are unusual. And we get so caught up in the good days that we forget to commune with God. Give Him thanks for all that He has done. Give Him thanks for all that He has given to you. And when God showers blessings upon blessings upon blessings, don't just ignore them and say, hey, I guess I'm doing pretty good. I've been making some wise decisions. 
Don't neglect him. Go to him in prayer. It's very arrogant to just to go through life without prayer. God chooses to bless you. You have all these things. Everything's going great. And you don't give a simple thanks. You don't give a thought. You don't give any glory to God. You move on with life as if as if you accomplished it all, as if, as if it's because of you that your life is good. Don't be so arrogant. Pray to God, even when you're at your high. Acknowledge that all good things come from Him. Acknowledge that you still need Him every second of every day. A life of prayer. Do you have a prayer life? What does it look like or not look like? Do you even desire a prayer life? As this new year begins, I encourage you, examine your own prayer life. And I challenge you to be young men and women of prayer. If you are in Christ, this ought to be a regular part of your daily life. Commune with God. Pray to God. God, the master of the universe, the one who is greater than all. You can approach this God with confidence as your father. And you can cry out to him with your concerns and your worries. And you can know with confidence that he listens and that he cares for you. Do you desire to spend this time with God, with your father? Prayer is a gift. It is a gift given to us by God that we may approach God through Jesus Christ and commune with our father. So pray. Maybe you don't belong to him. Maybe you are not in Christ. That is true. And if you desire a relationship with him, if you desire salvation, then pray. Pray. Don't pray that you may earn something with God. Don't pray that you would somehow get closer to God. The prayer you need is the prayer of repentance done in faith. And I encourage you, maybe the best thing you can do Right now is evaluate where you stand with God. And talk to him. And ask him that he would grant you faith to believe in him. And ask him that he would grant you a heart of repentance. I know we've gone long. Thank you for bearing with me. I do want to spend just a minute or two in silent prayer. Right where we are. And in silent prayer. Pray to God. For a couple minutes. And then I will close with some prayer.